Hi, this is Joe from Classic 78, and you're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast. You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. What's up, everybody? We mean business, and we are going to rock and roll you with some streetwise American-made music that's going to set your world on fire. Steve, you out there? Yeah, baby. All right. That's what I like to hear, Hollywood. I should have let you do that all along. (laughs) Well, we got a special guest with us, so uh, why don't you take the reins there? All right. So our special guest today is none other than Joe from Classic 78. Joe, you there, brother? I'm here, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, spending a little bit of time with us. We appreciate it. Classic 78, you guys just released Side 2. Yes. Totally killer. Side 1 was great. Side 2, equally as good have been enjoying cranking that up in the car as I drive these busy Atlanta highways, which drives me absolutely batshit crazy, but it's always good with a little bit of music in the background. That is for sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you for the kind words. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So, Joe, here at Grown Up Rock, we like to try and uh, kind of get into everybody's uh, earliest memories and kind of how they got into music and talk about some of those things. So what were your earliest memories getting into music? How did you end up getting into music? You know, that's a, a great question. So basically, I come from a really musical family. My mother... My father, all of my uncles on both sides of uh, each family were highly into music, uh, all styles of music, country, 50s and 60s rock. And um, they played a lot of that out in the clubs. So I grew up thinking it was normal for everyone to do these things, have practices in, uh, in our house as a family. You know, so I learned to play the drums when I was probably two or three years old and That was kind of my introduction to playing music, but I started out listening to Kiss because of my older brothers. So while other kids were listening to Sesame Street and that kind of music, I was listening to Cold Gin and uh, (laughs) a lot of uh, craziness. You know, as you guys know, uh, Kiss had a lot of songs that weren't exactly made for three to five year old kids, you know, so. Now, was Kiss your first, was that your introduction into rock and roll, or were there other bands that you heard or listened to before you ended up getting into Kiss? So, I grew up in the the mid-80s, you know, I was born in the early 80s, and I grew up, and Kiss was definitely the nucleus, and I was kind of isolated from everything else, so this was pre-internet, all we had is uh, what my brothers bought, you know, and they were into um, Kiss, really heavily. Other than that, my mother and father were into country music. And as a kid, it was a no brainer. I'm going to go to the the guys wearing makeup and spitting blood. And so, yeah, they were so interesting that my world kind of revolved around them. And it was uh, an introduction to uh, rock and roll for sure. And then I got into the Beach Boys and and then I discovered the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, and uh, the list goes on and on. Van Halen was uh, another big influence and as well as Aerosmith. So... Yeah, that's how I started out. And uh, then I kept progressing with 
playing music and it's kind of a big rabbit hole to kind of fall into because once you start playing, you want to learn uh, all sorts of genres and discover more. So, you know, from there on out, it was uh, meant to be. So now, Joe, with you being a little bit younger than the other guys in your band, did you ever get into grunge? Because, I mean, you were hitting your teen years right into grunge, right? Yes, it was a really odd time for sure because uh just when things got rolling and as a young kid going into you know uh seventh eighth grade being a kiss fan it wasn't exactly cool so all these other kids were listening to uh nirvana alice in chains green day and i had never been exposed to that so when i was i uh i felt like quite an outcast and i tried to conform and 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 uh, I just never really felt it with those other bands. I didn't think they were as special as Zeppelin and Kiss and uh, Aerosmith. They weren't as exciting. And musically, they just, I think they weren't as, I don't know how to say this nicely, but uh, they weren't as, you guys. Catchy, uh, talented. Uh, <laughs> okay. You said it. I didn't say it. <laughs> That's right. I said it. You didn't say it. The great thing about being anonymous is there's no place to send hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> Parts unknown. That's Joe at classic78 at yahoo.com. Uh, no, just, just kidding. Just kidding. No, but, but that's something. That's a theme that we hear more and more is, and I think I've heard this. I think Jody has mentioned this before, Sonny, is that, you know, when grunge was coming about, it just wasn't cool to like bands like Kiss anymore, which you know that that's so baffling to me it's so hard for me to take because you know even to this day they make fun of a lot of those bands from the 80s and and early 90s you know like it was a shameful thing to like kiss and crew and and bands like that and poison and and damn it i love that stuff so (laughs) i'm with you absolutely And like I said, it's kind of hard when people are force feeding you Pearl Jam and you don't want anything to do with it, but you're close friends and you have to give it a chance, you know, sink or swim. And and a lot of times I was always um, one of those people that kind of stood my ground and, and uh, got shit on. Could I say that on the air? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, okay. we're free to say whatever we want here. Okay, very good. <laughs> so, yeah, get shit on for liking Kiss and uh, all these other bands. And it wasn't it wasn't a fun time to be in the music. The the live shows, there's no spectacle, nothing fun. Like you said, Motley Crue, Kiss, Poison, all those groups from the eighties especially were all over the top rock and rollers and they, they had that attitude. It was just so exciting and it, growing up as you know, being impressionable as a kid, you see that and then you see Pearl Jam, there's no comparison. You just that's just uh, my point of view and yeah i mean yeah. part of being a musician or even being just a music lover is that in my opinion it's okay to love nirvana and pearl jam and alice in chains and oh by the way it's okay to love poison and kiss and motley Crue. Right. i mean i i don't i've never understood this pick one side or the other thing it's that's bullshit to me music is a beautiful thing no doubt what was the first rock album that you purchased like what what (laughs) album did you go out what rock and roll album did you go out and purchase yourself my very first purchase of a rock album was kiss love gun (laughs) wow damn that's a good record (laughs) yeah 
and it was on cassette. Definitely. It was uh, pretty monumental in my life. I yeah. brought it home and I li- listened to it nonstop, you know? Yeah. Obviously that record wasn't new when you bought it. It had already been out at your, uh, <laughs> at your age, but why, why that one? Why, what, what drove you to love gun first? Definitely the cover. Uh, I just, I loved the artwork. It was very comic book, like very, um, the artwork was very influenced by fantasy and, uh, comic books, like I said. So for an impressionable kid, it was so exciting and I got it home and the music was fun too. So it was a win-win, you know? All right. That's awesome. How about the first rock concert you went to? <laughs> you want to take a guess? <laughs> uh, really? <laughs> it was Kiss. Yeah, the farewell tour. Unfortunately, I I was kind of a late bloomer to the concert scene. Wow. Uh, I was six, 16. Because like I said, the concert scene wasn't, for me at least, in the Northeast. I live, you know, just a couple hours north of New York City. Upstate wasn't really known for great venues. We have a few. Uh, Saratoga for Performing Arts Center is real, really nice. and uh, But the concert scene wasn't huge unless you liked Pearl Jam and, uh, you know, bands like that. Kiss had just started the reunion tour, but I was a little too young to go. And But the farewell tour, <laughs> unfortunately, was my first concert. And uh, I was a little let down, honestly. They, yeah. they, weren't, in, they weren't at their prime by any means. But, uh, you know, overall... It was just cool to see the four original members in makeup. So that that was the plus. I had nosebleed seats. And uh, <laughs> so it wasn't the greatest experience for my uh, first rock concert. But uh, since then, I've definitely seen uh, much better shows. I've seen Kiss at least seven or eight times now and seen Motley Crue, Aerosmith, you know, a lot of great bands. Now, let me ask you this. Do you remember uh, who opened up that Kiss show for you? Was that, uh, that wasn't Ted Nugent and Skid Row, was it? It was. And Nugent was excellent. I love Ted Nugent. Awesome. He put on a great show. Actually, I was a little bit more impressed. Other than his political banter, <laughs> yeah. his show was quite energetic. I think he had Tommy Aldrich on drums and uh, boy, they were they were doing great. Yeah, yeah I think Marco Mendoza's on bass on that tour. Was he really? Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was my first concert, and he uh, had the arrow, which was on fire, and he uh, shot it. Yeah. He shot his bow at his guitar, hanging on his stack of amps, and I thought that was equally as cool as Gene Simmons breathing fire. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, but the rock concert scene up in this area wasn't what it is now, and at least now we have a little bit uh, better acts coming through, so. That's great. We didn't end up asking Tom this, but how did you guys meet? Like, are you are you guys best friends? Like, I think it's just <laughs> you in the band, right? Do you did you guys meet each other at a concert, or did you go to school together, or what's up? <laughs> the lovely world of the internet. Believe it or not, Tom is from the Boston area, and like I said, I I spent a lot of time in New York City, and but I live north of the city, so you know our paths never crossed other than on the internet. So what happened was, I'd say 2011, I was messing around with doing some Kiss covers. And uh, just in my demo studio, I was kind of trying to recreate the sounds of the early Kiss records. And I um, put them up there just for fun, you know, nothing serious. And (laughs) let's see, a couple of years ago, I I get this uh, random email from a guy named Tom saying that he heard my stuff on YouTube and that he wanted to start a project 
So we started talking more and more and uh, it kind of snowballed into classic 78. But, you know, I got to give Tom a lot of credit for making it happen because he really Tom is definitely the engine behind classic 78. He puts a lot of his own time into it, promoting it. And, um, you know, we, we bounce ideas back and forth. So we're becoming really good friends in a quick manner. So thank goodness for the Internet and uh, definitely sparked a great relationship. And, and Rory, the drummer. Uh, I think Rory and Tom have been friends for many years, so they actually had a more organic friendship. Well, so that leads me to my next question, which is, have you guys ever even been in a room together, or is everything (laughs) recorded with today's lovable technology? So, (laughs) not that we know of. Actually, we have been in an area together. Um, (laughs) An area? (laughs) We've been in the vicinity together before. But we we didn't know at the time. uh, With the Kiss Aerosmith concert in 2003 in Massachusetts, I was there and he was there. And we talked about it later and uh, (laughs) realized that we were both in the same venue, but didn't realize it. But other than that, (laughs) no, we're going to see each other for the first time at the Atlantic Kiss Expo. God damn it. Uh, Isn't technology a beautiful thing? Here, <laughs> yeah, we've got these two great albums with these people that play on them, <laughs> and son of a bitches have never been in a room together. God damn it. <laughs> but, you know, you know, I think that it's kind of funny. I, I think if the passion for the music wasn't there, you would notice it. But you could definitely see that we all kind of understand what we want to do. Definitely. I mean, it's kind of using the same formula as kiss obviously but you know you could tell the energy and what we're doing is very pure and we're on the same wavelength for for sure well i mean i mean so that opens up a whole box of questions that i have which is i mean this is (laughs) it's all good this is wonderful stuff so let me ask you this how do you guys write have you all input to the side one and side two or is somebody is it just tom writing everything or is it just you who's doing all the writing for the two uh records well (laughs) we all put a little bit in but i i would say like i said tom works pretty immensely to write these songs in a manner i'm a songwriter as well but if someone has a great idea there's no need to mess with it in my mind so you know, once in a while, I'll change a word here or there or a slight melody change, but usually he nails it pretty darn close to what they would have done. So, I, you know, like I said, he's a huge part of Classic 78. Without him, you know, the, the songs, you know, wouldn't give off that same essence that uh, the early Kiss records did. Obviously, um, you know, we're just making an attempt. Kiss were the true masters at it. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically how it works rory and tom uh live closer to each other obviously so they get together do the drum tracks guitars and uh send the tracks up to me and i'll put my spin on them we bounce back and forth we'll talk on the phone whatever it takes to nail it but usually we have a pretty good concept in mind that we share so now are you playing guitar on either record or just singing believe it or not i don't play any of the guitar parts like i said i i we talked, I think, before we were on air about uh, playing guitar, and uh, that's something that I'm real passionate about is playing guitar. But like I said, if it's not broke, you know, I don't fix it. So Tom has a great handle. He's Ace Frehley reincarnated. <laughs> he has a, If Ace had a, a illegitimate love child, you know, out there, it would be Tom for sure. Um, 
<laughs> he he just oozes uh, that seventies ace swagger. So um, he has a great handle on the guitar parts. And, and maybe one of these days I'll I'll share some of some of the Kiss uh, covers I've I've done. You know, on a classic '78 project, just so people could hear me playing uh, guitar or bass or whatever. But I, I play a whole. <laughs> yeah, whole selection of instruments. So your responsibility for uh, your part in the classic '78 is essentially the vocals for any of the Paul Stanley type songs. Is that that right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, like the other songs, you know, Tom will send to me, and I'll give him my critique. And like I said, nine times out of ten, we are thinking the exact same thing, and it's so easy. It's just so so easy. I can't even explain. It's just an effortless effort, you know. We both yeah. are thinking the same thing most of the time. Now, what's interesting is, like with the music, right? Once you get the guitar tones in and you get the kind of the style down, okay, that stays constant. But with the vocal, I'm interested because you know you listen to Van Halen, Aerosmith, Beatles, Elvis. When you're singing and doing the vocal phrasing, like how are you keeping those influences? out of the way like do you stop and go oh man that was too steven tyler let me do that over again or (laughs) or do you only listen to paul stanley for three weeks straight before you got to do a vocal thing or (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of funny uh no i (laughs) i guess it's just like anything else uh you know if actually that's kind of an effortless thing you know it just kind of came naturally i've been singing kiss music my whole life and i just noticed in my uh, late teens that I would just start singing like Gene or Paul while I'm singing the music. And after a while, when I started recording the Kiss covers, you know, I was kind of blown away when I listened back. It said, you know, that's kind of eerie. It kind of sounds like them. And I never thought anything of it. It was just for fun until Tom reached out to me. And uh, and now to prep for it, I just, I'll, I'll take the song. Tom will send me the, the vocal track with him demoing it. And, you know, I'll mute that out and just kind of put my own swing on it. And that's usually how it goes. You know, I just kind of get into a groove. You know, it's 1978 and you're in Electric Lady Studios and you're Paul Stanley for the next two, three hours while recording, you know. <laughs> so you got to you got to kind of get in a zone, but you just got to. For me, it comes kind of natural as well. So wow. it's crazy. Yeah. So were all the songs for side one and side two, were they kind of written all at the same time? Or did you guys just write side one and then come back later on and actually write for side two? How did that work out? You know, that's a, another good question. I think like anything else, when you're writing songs, no matter the genre, if you have an idea in it, it's really uh, something that you believe in. You tend to, you may not get to it on one project, but you'll come back and get it another time when the timing is right and you you have the last pieces of the puzzle. But uh, side one was initially in its entirety written as just a let's test the waters, let's put out six songs and see what it does. So we didn't really have side two, you know, ready to roll. It was something that once the response was positive, you know, the feedback was positive. We said, well, okay, let's, sounds like they want side two. Let's uh, take a crack at it. So we just kind of got into the studio, started working on the track, sending them back and forth, and it went fairly quick. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It's just unbelievable to me how you guys can stay in that kind of headspace. I mean, it's the continuity between side one and side two, first of all, is, is, 
pretty streamlined the continuity between the two sides but then just in the writing and the sound i mean damn the shit sounds like 78 <laughs> like it's recorded in 78 it's it's crazy to me uh, well i i find you know uh the keep it simple stupid uh theory is very effective and honestly if you listen to the early kiss albums you'll notice with the exception of destroyer the rest of them are pretty meat and potatoes very basic not over the top not elaborately uh produced but very raw you know and they used Marshall amps, Gibson Les Pauls, Pearl drums, and a, a very raw method of recording. So when we take that approach, it kind of takes minimal tweaking because it's so close to the raw elements that um, they were using. So we start with that and then uh, just build up from there. And I'm guessing, I'm going to probably know the answer to this, but I'm guessing that there's no deep vault worth of classic 78 unrecorded material <laughs> probably maybe there's one or two uh, songs left over and maybe uh three or four half written ideas floating around but that's pretty much it so when you guys go to do uh side three or a brand new record or whatever it is that you're gonna do hopefully in 2018 that that it's gonna be new unwritten stuff is that probably true uh yeah there's a few ideas floating around that Tom and I have, and, and possibly Rory. But when we approach the next project, if there is, I, we always like to keep that questionable because we let anyone who supports us decide that. Yeah. So if they want another project, we'll give it to them. And it's kind of one of those things that we wait for the response. And if it's great, and if they ask for more, we'll we'll get started on the next. You know, we're always constantly thinking as, as uh, Mega Kiss fans, you know, about that style of music and uh, as musicians in general, you always want to be creative. So, you know, we'll see how the next uh, project unfolds and how the writing process goes. You know, it ultimately uh, it's the elimination process. If something is good enough to be on the album, we'll put it on there. If it's something that we've resurrected from before, we'll do so and we'll see how it goes. It'll be interesting to see if classic 78 becomes classic 79 and classic 80. <laughs> I, I personally would prefer no classic elder. Uh, Sonny would be okay with the classic unmasked. Yes, sir. <laughs> I, I I love unmasked. It's, yeah, baby. I, you know. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm I'm getting I'm getting much more okay with it. I'm I've listened to it <laughs> a few times. Sunny and and company have pushed it off on me, and I've listened to it a few times with Spotify now. And there's some of the stuff I really do enjoy. It's just a different kiss, I guess, altogether. Yeah, it's definitely a pop oriented yep. approach, but you know. I, I find with uh, whatever Kiss released, you know, maybe the general concept might have been slightly tainted. But if you dig down and listen to the songs, I've heard people cover uh, songs off of Unmasked in a little bit more uh, rock approach, and they were phenomenal. So I think the writing is there, with the exception of She's So European that uh, Gene Simmons says <laughs> is a... Is a ultimate piece of garbage song that he wrote. But I, I actually, the melody. I like great. that song. I, I like I that too. song. Gene, I guess Gene uh, isn't a big fan of that song. But, uh, you know, Naked City, I've, there was a band on uh, YouTube I heard covering yeah. it, and it was Yorn. phenomenal. Yes, yeah, it was phenomenal. Yeah. So good. But like I said, the, 
the music and the writing is, you know, decent. Actually, it's really good. But uh, the production value, I think Vinnie Poncia did Dynasty and Unmasked, and that's why they sound so uh, <laughs> pop-oriented, yeah. which is cool. That's the great thing about being a Kiss fan is it's almost like a new band every couple of years. If you buy their first record, so their first three were very uh, similar, and then you get to Live, which was sonically pretty amazing. But every album was slightly different. Then you got into the what they called the disco era and then the pop era. And then you have the elder. It's two totally different bands there within a 10 year gap, which is insane. And then if you get into the eighties kiss catalog, you're really, <laughs> which I, I, I'm just everything kiss. Just love it. I guess that's how some people are. You know, some people are like that with the Beatles and, um, or, uh, whatever, but yeah. kiss. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have mega fans with, with everything and people that, uh, believe so heavily in, you know, what they, um, put out. And they're always going to support it. So I'm kind of the same way. I like the elder, honestly. So yeah. um, it's an acquired taste, though. So it's not yeah. for everybody. Now, you mentioned the Atlanta Kiss Expo. Do you guys have a table or are you guys doing stuff there? As of right now, we're still trying to brainstorm on what we're going to do. We definitely have a table. The main thing is to get out and, you know, show people that we are legitimate human beings and, uh, that it's not just one person doing all of it because there's been a, a lot of uh, misconception of uh, who does it. And so we'll be incognito, kind of. We'll be hidden. Our faces will be hidden. How, how's um, that going to work, man? <laughs> <laughs> we're still having uh, online discussions about that. We have a, an idea of how we're going to do it. Um because Sonny, Sonny and I were worried that if, if our table was set up next to your tables and you guys had ski masks on, you guys might try to rob us. So we're, <laughs> we're a little well, concerned for our safety at this point. I'll be honest with you. Uh, we like you guys. However, there, there may be some that get that treatment, but you guys are cool. So. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's right now we, we plan to sell uh, – merchandise say hello to everyone maybe give out a few uh pins and uh i don't know free swag you know we're like i said we're still kind of uh it's still in its infancy as far as the ideas the idea was pitched to me about a month ago and i loved it i said i need a vacation anyway so i'll base that around my vacation and um so it'll be a fun little getaway i can't wait to see the people's reaction <laughs> because you know i think it's gonna be pretty apparent that when we're there <laughs> that were classic 78 because uh we're gonna have the t-shirts on and uh, be at the table so i think people will put two and two together here here's an idea and I'll, I'll pitch this to you guys you guys can pitch it to the kiss expo guy but i wish to god you guys were playing and if you want to keep the anonymity thing going you guys could come dressed up as kiss from that era of Vinnie Vincent uh, and and then wear classic uh, 78 t-shirts. So you got classic 78 t-shirts with the old school kiss makeup on from the Vinnie Vincent era since the expo is all about Vinnie. There you go. Yeah. Pro problem solved. <laughs> that's that's a great idea. That's a, definitely a great idea. Throw some um, suit jackets on and you guys are dressed to kill. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want I don't know uh, how much Tom has disclosed to anybody else, but uh, you know, uh, I think people will be excited with what we have in mind, 
but uh, you know, anything's possible at this point. You know, he, it may change in the eleventh hour. So I guess we'll see. <laughs> I think for uh, for us, we're um, we're going because we're a little bit newer podcast. We're going to promote the podcast, but we're also interested. We're going to set up a mobile recorder, and we're interested in just getting Kiss fans what we call growing up rock stories so essentially what we're talking to you about in a much shorter form which is you know how'd you get into rock and roll what were some of your first memories and your first albums that kind of thing so we're excited we're going to be there and you know Sonny's going to be there also with uh, podcast rock city which is an all kiss podcast Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. The the thing is, I, I love the whole concept of growing up rock because, you know, it kind of taps into people's heartstrings and their memories of. And it's also interesting to hear other people's perspectives. And because and, uh, mine was, I think, kind of unorthodox. Uh, you know, the first VHS I ever watched was Kiss Animalized Live Uncensored. Oh, you're talking <laughs> Sonny's shit. That's oh, Sonny's yeah. jam. And, I, and I, to this day, I wish they had that on CD because that would be my favorite album. <laughs> it's so uh, packed full of energy. But yeah, definitely. To hear other people's perspectives is so cool and uh, a great idea. So I got to tip my hat to you guys. That's awesome. Very cool. Now, I'm assuming, you know, all of you guys got real jobs and you guys are doing this thing grassroots. But if a national act called you guys and said, hey, we want to do a 15 city east coast tour with you can you guys pack up and go or is that even doable <sighs> that's uh well i think it's definitely doable we uh some of us have jobs in the music industry already but we have a fairly flexible schedule the most interesting thing about this project is it's opened so many doors just in in the short lifespan that it's had uh we released side one in february of this year and within the first year, we've released Side 1 and Side 2. And along the way, you know, I've become friends with uh, Charlie from Anthrax, Charlie Benante. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, okay. He reached out. Oh, we, we've been talking Kiss and Rock. And so, you know, meeting all sorts of uh, excellent people that uh, are into the project. And it's as a bonus someone that you grew up listening to and i wasn't a huge anthrax fan but i really enjoyed some of their stuff and and obviously they've done some like kiss covers that were yeah. some of the best out there but yeah it was pretty cool to you know we taught kiss quite often and uh there's a few other ones and and the experiences uh having paul stanley and gene simmons listen to the classic 78 albums and responding to us was pretty exciting you know uh them being such icons and uh, me being so influenced by them to hear them compliment us was just amazing. So it's been a pretty interesting ride and it's still fairly young. So (laughs) I can't wait to see what else happens. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Very cool. Do we want to go through the new record and kind of briefly talk about each one of the six songs on the side two? I would love to. Yeah. So I'm assuming you sang World on Fire? I did. Yes. Yeah. It's a great song, man. It's, it sounds like it's right off a of love gun. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. World on Fire was probably the toughest vocal track I've done for Classic 78. Believe it or not, it was the range is all over the place as far as singing. And sometimes, you know, <laughs> even though uh, I'll be in the Paul Stanley mode in the studio, I'm not Paul Stanley, you know? So he did some uh, pretty intricate vocal techniques back in the day. It's hard to describe right now, but uh, if you listen to the early Kiss records, he had a, a screech and a certain uh, feel that he would put on certain things. And uh, it's pretty hard sometimes to achieve those if the key of the song is higher or lower uh that's why paul wrote a lot of songs in the key of e <laughs> like love gun tonight you belong to me easy as it seems all those songs were e minor oriented so it was his comfort zone so when we write sometimes it's out of that paul stanley comfort zone so i have to try to do my own interpretation of how paul would sing it so it was definitely the toughest one wow and then who sang uh ain't no fool that is Tom, actually. That's one of my favorite tracks on the album because it, it has a very Gene Simmons hedonistic vibe from the 70s. Like a, like a demo quality, though. Not really a polished uh, album song, but it sounds like something that would be in Gene Simmons' vault somewhere. I was going to um, say, is that going to be on the vault? <laughs> <laughs> so, so Gene, if Gene wants to contact us, we'll sell it to him for five easy payments of forty nine ninety five. <laughs> hey, this is Gene Simmons. Classic 78's Ain't No Fool. That's actually a song that I recorded in 1967, and it is in my vault. Gene Simmons from Kiss. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, that's, that's definitely... Uh, the harmonies in it are very Beatlesque, but yet uh, still Kiss vibe, you know. So that's definitely one of my favorite tunes on the album. Yeah, it felt kind of like what you said. It's got that raw feel, so it felt like Dressed to Kill for me on that one. Jendel, who is writing the Ace <laughs> lyric, dead on. Like, who is doing that? <laughs> that? Like I said, Tom does the Ace as well. He is ace frail reincarnate <laughs> it's kind of insane really uh you know and i he sends me these things and i just the first five minutes 
I'm just like, I can't even absorb it because I'm like, man, you know, if someone pulled a prank on me and said this is Ace Frehley, you know, I believe it. You know, so I, I listen to it 10 times and then I have to realize it's not Ace and then I call him back. Okay, so this is what I think, you know, so after that uh, shock wears off, I'm able to give him my critique of it. But it's it's pretty amazing what he does. Jendel is one of those songs that kind of creeps up on me. The first time I heard it, I was kind of like, okay, basically that was it. I was like, okay, Jendel, that's kind of weird. But then the more, the more and more I listen to that song, the more and more I'm like, Jendel. I'm like, I'm singing it to myself. I'm like, what the hell? And who the hell has a name like Jendel? Yeah, that's Ace Frehley's fictional, oh, so we think fictional home place. Yeah, his home planet. Home- Home planet, yes. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where that comes from. But like I said, it, it's very ace themed, obviously. So it, it helps. It lends itself to the production and the whole classic '78 vibe is kind of going along with themes, but not exactly being a you know a complete copycat. But we're trying to take that influence and just kind of you know put our spin on it and kind of make it uh, you know feel like you're in '78 again. Yeah. I would say on side two, my favorite songs, American Made, that lick and that riff is just so catchy. You know, it's funny you say that. I think Charlie from Anthrax told me the same thing when uh, we were texting the other day. I think he said that was his favorite as well. But so far, it, it seems to be, uh, if we had to pick a single off the album, I feel like it would be that one because so many people have responded positively about it. And uh, it just feels like something off uh, side four of Alive 2, you know? Yeah. I mean, very uh, rocking in the USA, but not. And, and, and I don't know the delivery of the Gene vocals is very convincing as well. So, yeah. Definitely uh, a good track. Hot on her heels. That's a Paul vocal, so obviously you're doing that one. Feels like right out of Hotter Than Hell. <laughs> yes and no. We had a kind of a rock and roll over kind of uh, vibe going on. So we thought, you know, everyone interpret it, interprets it uh, their own way, which is great. Like when we sit down and put our spin on it, we are just kind of uh, shoot, shooting from the hip. But, you know, kind of have an outline of what we want to do. And uh, we were thinking when we heard it back for the first time that we were thinking rock and roll all over kind of vibe. Uh, but, yeah, it was an upbeat song, and that was a fun one to record. I I find myself just jamming out. It's a good song to jam to and dashboard drum to, you know, when you're in the car. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, if you don't watch your speedometer, you'll end up, you know... Uh, getting pulled over for speeding it's just a rocking tune yeah now is victims a, is that it's supposed to be a gene vocal right absolutely yes okay yeah, absolutely so you guys hating on peter you didn't give peter a shot here <laughs> well <laughs> i'm gonna tell you, you. Yeah. no i know i know but it, it's a it's a perfect point to bring up because peter as much as the guys in kiss Gene and Paul especially like to shit on Peter for being the least talented I will say this Peter had probably the best voice in Kiss as far as marketability and I mean he was very similar to Rod Stewart and he had a very gravelly uh, whiskey voice which was definitely hard to for anyone to mimic so the Peter vocals if we can't nail 110% or at least you know 100% we don't want to really Put it out there. We've made an attempt on side one with Mean Business, which was kind of, um, we love the song, but it's really hard to deliver a Peter style vocal. And uh, 
when we feel comfortable enough to do it, we'll put one out there. But victims, I think, is, you know, almost like a almost human gene uh, vampire-esque kind of song. And uh, I think it's fun. And it definitely, uh, once again, captures that um, Love Gun era kind of vibe, at least for me, and has some cool guitar riffs going on in it. This just in, it sounds like Classic 78 is surfing the internet for somebody that sounds like Rod Stewart. <laughs> Get those demo tapes in. <laughs> well, yes. I, I thought Mean Business was dead on because even the resonance in whoever did the vocal, I'm like, wow, they even hit like how Peter would kind of hold that note. I thought it was good right. too. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, you know, like, I definitely like it. Who did that vocal? <laughs> Once again, uh, Tom. Tom did that. Um, so what we did is we both messed around with that one to try to get it. And uh, both of them were really critical on ourselves. And uh, like I said, he did an amazing job. You know, when I talk to Tom on the phone, he doesn't sound like Ace, Gene, or Peter. He sounds like Tom. So when he sends me sends me his vocals, I'm like, holy shit, he did it again. <laughs> you know, it's because, you know, he's, uh, you know, very... Uh, well-read all-american kind of guy and you know doesn't talk with a, a growl in his voice or he doesn't uh you know uh talk like ace or you know or peter so it's really interesting to see someone kind of transform their vocals from you know just a regular person to a uh, gene simmons yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a cool experience that's cool you know great job on side two i was a big fan of side one and side two, I thought, was uh, right in the pocket, right along with uh, side one. What's your favorite classic tune off of side one and then side two? Well, let me see. So side one, I would have to say it's a toss-up between, let me see here. I really, really love Rock and Roll You. Um, I just love the beat. I love, uh, you know, just that really raw Gene, Gene Simmons kind of vibe but i really dig the guitar work on uh, standing tall uh which which tom played i really got to give him credit if um like i said he's 70s kiss reincarnated he comes up with some of these uh guitar rhythms that you know uh i'm surprised paul stanley didn't think of back then and uh, it's pretty pretty remarkable um so yeah i would say it's a toss-up between uh standing tall and rock and roll you and off side two ain't no fool and probably Hot on Her Heels are my two go-to tracks for the album. Yeah. Standing Tall, I remember the first, that was the first song I heard from you guys. And yeah. I remember thinking, my God, that A solo is dead on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's uh, sloporific, right? He's not exactly yeah. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I mean. It was very uh, Ace, Ace Frehley swagger very rock and roll you know? yeah, and yeah you just can't you can't uh can't imagine uh it's it's really strange to hear people say it sounds just like kiss because to me uh i'm very critical but when i listen to anything tom does i'm always blown away and impressed but it's it's hard you're your own worst critic you know when i hear my stuff back i think of how how can i make it better so the next project if there is one which i i would imagine there will be uh, but i can't really speak for the other guys it's only going to get better. We have so many ideas. We have an idea of doing a live album, um, like uh, with the overdubbed bombs. And, That's cool. <laughs> you know, and that would be awesome. So, 
<laughs> you know, and just give it a real live energy kind of feel. You know, there's been talks about us possibly doing the Kiss Cruise. And, you know, when doors open up, you know, we are so psyched to just be doing this. It's just so fun that it's hard to say no to to anyone who uh, wants to take us along with them. So if if uh, that comes about, we're, we're probably going to jump on it. But, um, you know, like I said, right now it's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of things up in the air. Well, you know, we're still trying to find our identity. So I guess we'll see at the Kiss Expo <laughs> what we land on, you know. So it should be interesting. Sonny, have you got a favorite off of uh, side one and side two? Uh, yeah, side two for me is American Made. Side one is a toss up because I love Standing Tall, but I also love Streetwise. I love Streetwise. Streetwise yes. is one of my favorites off of uh, side one as well. Um, that is a good, that is a great tune. Side Definitely. two, probably. Um, yeah, American Made's good. I like World on Fire a lot too, but go either one of those. So what kind of stuff are you listening to today, Joe? <laughs> you know, what, what, what's in the deck? Do you really want to know? No. Uh, <laughs> yes, we do. So like I said, I, I not only am I a Kiss geek, I'm just a music geek in general. So my iPhone has, I have, geez, tons and tons of good stuff. But, you know, I have kind of a rule when you're in my vehicle, I have a cap. So it, stop, it stops at 1995. <laughs> so you nothing past 1995 gets played in my vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, you know, I'm just such a fan of, you know, uh, let's see. I, I really love the early roots of rock and roll. I love uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. Elvis Presley, uh, you know, all the way up to to Zeppelin, Black Sabbath. So if you listen, if you looked in my iPod right now, you would see uh, a lot of monumental records. Uh, I like the Beach Boys, the Beatles, Chuck Berry. I'm a very old soul. <laughs> so, but, you know, like I said, uh, there's I find all music is related. Um, so it's easy to like a lot of things. So Motley Crue, I mean... It, I just put it on shuffle and let it go, man. It's it's just, you know, so much good music. Well, thank you for stopping at 95 because 94 crew is the best album. So at least you stopped at the right spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I Yeah. I had to cut off somewhere, you know, and uh, <laughs> there was still some good Kiss music at, uh, in 94. So I had oh, 95. Yeah. Alive 3 was good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, speaking of which, Crew was probably one of the best live acts I've ever seen to this day. And um, Which tour? Wow. Uh, the one they co-headlined with Kiss. The tour, I believe it was yeah. called. Okay. Um, yeah, I saw that So one. that was in their later years, and they killed it, man. They were awesome. Um, just a phenomenal production. And uh, I got to say, you know, it, it pains me to say this, but they definitely blew away Kiss. My guys, you know, they, they blew away Kiss that night, and I was... I left with my tail between my legs going, oh, <laughs> crew's a tough show to top. You know, they had the, the dancers in the background and uh, Tommy Lee's drum set was on some sort of roller coaster yeah. contraption. And boy, what a, yeah. a great show. Very cool. So, yeah. So, so I think, uh, Sonny, do you have any other uh, questions before we start getting into fun time? 
No, no, let's do the fun time. All right, Joe, I sent you an email a little bit earlier today. And and, uh, one of the things I asked you to think about a little bit is to rank your favorite five Kiss records. Obviously, Kiss has got a bunch more than that. But in in efforts (laughs) to keep you uh, at a reasonable time frame here, we just asked you to rate five of your favorites. Yeah, that's like choosing uh, favorites favorite children man. exactly <laughs> and i and i think i think i told you don't overthink it because it's something for me and and sunny well probably not sunny but for me it, it changes uh, uh daily now do you want my uh, five in order or rank each individual one no in order you're from from first from one to five what are your your favorites so your your fifth favorite is okay a, your... uh so in order i would have to say rock and roll over being my first and then going to dynasty and then let's see uh creatures creatures of the night uh asylum (laughs) i love asylum and i would have to say revenge wow so that's interesting so the first thing that sticks out in that list all great by the way but the first thing that sticks out on that list because I have this theory about sentimental love and albums, and the first record you bought was Love Gun, so I would have thought that Love Gun would have been that top two or three at the most, but Love Gun <laughs> didn't even make the top five. No, it, and it, like I said, it's like choosing uh, your yeah. favorite child. It's hard to do. But honestly, I think the content on Rock and Roll Over is much more consistent. There's so many good songs if you look uh i want you uh, the way it starts it's very dynamic with the acoustic guitars right into the heavy guitars so you know uh hard luck woman speaking of a rod stewart yeah. <laughs> style vocal there's but, so many good tunes off that but, album but here's the problem is none of those records have i stole your love <laughs> 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 I stole your love, man. That's such a good tune. Oh, so, yeah. uh, I know if if they could uh, take I stole your love and put on rock and roll over, it would be even more so a badass album, you know. But uh, like I said, it's it's so hard to choose. But I thought I was gonna, you know, because most people when they uh, hear about the classic seventy eight thing, they instantly think that you know I don't have any love for the eighties style Kiss music, but the truth is, I grew up in that. Exactly. Time. So I grew up with Kiss without their makeup, and it was always something that I wanted to see. But, you know, I didn't miss it because I wasn't around for the, the heyday, so to speak. So the Asylum album, there was a, a VHS tape my older brother had called Kiss Exposed. Yeah. yeah I don't know if anyone uh, out there remembers that. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but if it, just the cover alone with all those uh, girls in the bikinis was enough to sell me on it. <laughs> Well, then I saw all the videos. They had I Love It Loud. They had um, Tears Are Falling, you know, all that Heaven's on Fire. And I loved that tape. I wore it out pretty much. So that was my era of Kiss that I grew up in. And, um, you know, in my teen years, I was lucky enough to see them reunite, uh, which was cool, too. But um, it's kind of cool. Like I said, they have such a wide diversity in their catalog of um, the production, the the songwriting, the overall uh, vibe of the albums are so different. It's like liking different bands, uh, almost having a different band for each album. Yep. Yeah. All right, Sonny. 
It's time for the lightning round. I'm gonna let you. All right. I'm gonna let you take oh point on this one. <laughs> all right. So these questions are from all over the place. So don't overthink them. And uh, <laughs> I, I promise you, none of these are embarrassing. This is just okay. We're just trying to find out more about you. All right. Sure. Absolutely. All right. Favorite Kiss song sang by Paul. Ah, oh, boy. Go. This is supposed to be a lightning Tick, round. Come TikTok. <laughs> okay. 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 I would have to say, I want you. All right. Favorite Kiss guitar riff? Uh, let's see. Definitely uh, All American Man. Okay. So these this question is non-Kiss. Two sure. Desert Island albums. You're deserted on an island. you got to have these two albums. Non-Kiss. Non-Kiss? Okay. Uh, let's see. The first Van Halen record and the Beach Boys Pet Sounds. <laughs> that's awesome. Great. It doesn't get any uh, more odd than that. Huh? Yeah, that's true. Uh, last album you bought. The last album I bought, let's see, was, you're making me think here. I buy a lot of albums. Uh, I think it was an Ace, uh, a Frail Ace Comet live in. Live plus one? Yes. Yep, yep. Oh, That's words it. are not enough for on that one. I love that song. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you remember the first song you ever heard on the radio? Like, even if you were young, do you remember the first time you heard a song? It's like, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't. I heard so much music growing up. It was like, uh, you know, just uh, so much to even remember. I mean, my yeah. parents played music all the time around the house. So this happens to me on this all the time. I hear a song. I can't get it out of my head. What was the last song you heard that just kind of like you're humming it <laughs> while you're working? And it's like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too good. You guys are something else. This is awesome. Gloria <laughs> is a perfectly acceptable <laughs> answer. Uh, believe it or not, <laughs> the last one I was singing was Van Halen, I'm the One. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's good. Great tune, uh, great tune. God, love band it. you want to see live in 2018? Uh, <laughs> can't be Kiss, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I would have to say I would like to see I'd like to see the original Kiss reunite one more time. Does oh. that count? No, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I just saw the... See, I saw the Beach Boys uh, for the first time a couple weeks ago, and uh, that was cool. That was a bucket list item, even though it wasn't all of the, the original members. I still haven't seen Van Halen. I've seen Aerosmith. Um, wow, yeah. So yeah, I, I've crossed so many off. <laughs> so yeah, it's you know so many of the iconic ones. So there what was a rumor got? that uh, Stamos was out there with Beach Boys. Was he there when you were pl- when you watched him? He was not. Uncle oh, Jesse wow. was not there. Wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, last one. Are you a radio guy, a Sirius XM guy? Do you stick to your phone in the car or do you listen to podcasts? That's a good question. I am a very big podcast guy, honestly. However, I have a lot of friends in uh, FM radio and I'm not really a big uh, Sirius XM guy. If I'm going to listen to music, I, I like to choose my music. I don't like being spoon fed stuff that just isn't for me. So I kind of isolate, I, I isolate myself. Like I said, 1995 or uh, sooner <laughs> or before, yeah. you know, uh, so I kind of choose my own playlist. If I do listen to my, are you a streamer? Um, I, I stream a little bit from Apple music, okay. um, but you know, like I said, honestly, podcasts take up a lot of, a lot of my time when I'm traveling or, Tell us. Uh, there's just so so many good ones, and like I said, I, I just find uh, people, other people's perspectives and stories so interesting. And you know, I listen to uh, you know all sorts of stuff about rock and roll, and uh, you know, just there's so many good ones out there. 
credit you guys as well. So awesome. Your favorite grown up rock podcast episode. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I won't put you on the spot like that. Uh, uh, all right. Awesome. So you survived the lightning round. Congratulations. Yeah, it wasn't very lightning, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> if by lightning five minutes in between each answer, good job, Jay. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that, uh, that was fun guys. Thank you. Joe, we appreciate you spending time, man. Uh, this has been awesome. Uh, we've really had a good time here talking to you about uh, stuff. And and one of the things you said, and, and uh, we're going to put you on the spot just a little bit here. You, do you have your phone with you? I do. Okay. Can you do me a favor and pull it out? I can. Okay. So what we end our show with on every episode, because Sonny and I have a diverse uh, musical background and musical taste, and for the most part, this is a hard rock and metal uh, podcast, but people would be surprised to hear some of the stuff that Sonny and I listen to, and, and we're guessing uh, you as well. So what we do is is Sonny and I take turns at the end of uh, each episode. We pull out our phone, and what we do is we do a, a shuffle, rattle, and roll. And we pull out our phone, and we hit shuffle on all the songs, and whatever song comes up, uh, which could be well, anything, what close with. is what we close with. So we're going to... Uh, Oh, We're going to ask you to do the honors for us uh, today. Oh, my goodness. You guys are a riot. <laughs> oh, geez. This could be uh, a pretty uh, embarrassing moment here. Oh, it can be anything. We've played Prince. We've played all kinds of stuff. Little Big Town. Oh, boy. Let's see, boys. Let me just pull this up here. Oh, look at that. I'm so lucky the Leif Garrett collection didn't come up. <laughs> That's it. We will see you folks next episode. Later. Later. Thank you, guys. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.